I again invite you to please get your Bibles and turn them to the book of John, John chapter 1, and we'll read verse 29, which will be our text for this evening's message. John 1 verse 29. The next day, John, that is John the Baptist, seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy, infallible Word. Boys and girls, if you recall, in Matthew chapter 14, the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ were in the boat, out in the lake, without Jesus. Eventually, Jesus went out to them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw Jesus walking on the lake, they were terrified. They thought Jesus was a ghost. But Jesus assured them right away. He said to his disciples, It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, when Peter heard what Jesus said, he said to Jesus, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, Come, come, Peter. So Peter got down out of the boat and started walking on the water toward Jesus with his eyes fixed on Jesus. But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. He began to sink the moment he looked away from Jesus. Well, this story illustrates the importance of having our eyes fixed on Jesus. The moment we look away from Jesus and focus on the wind of trial and affliction, that's when we begin to sink in dismay and discouragement. And so our theme in this message is simply this, Behold the Lamb of God. And this is what we need to do. We need to be beholding the Lamb of God. And as we consider this theme, we're going to look at two points. First, the characteristics of this Lamb. And then secondly, and the last, the command to behold this Lamb. So first of all, let's look at the characteristics 
of this lamb. And we see at least three from our passage, John 1 verse 29. Here's the first one. The lamb that we see, that we read in our text is a gracious provision from God. Notice again what John the Baptist says in John 1.29. Behold the Lamb of God. Of God. Peter does not say, Behold my Lamb. No, 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 no. Instead, he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And, and that preposition of in the original is genitive, which expresses possession. In other words, this lamb belongs to God, not to John the Baptist, not to you and me. This lamb is from God. In uh, Genesis chapter 22, remember the story, Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham, and said, My father. And Abraham said, Here I am, my son. Then Isaac said, Look, look the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And he did. And so we read in Genesis chapter 22, verse 13, So Abraham went and took the ram, an adult male lamb, which the Lord had provided. He took that ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Think about that. The Lord provided a lamb. Isaac said, Father, where is the lamb? The Lord will provide. And he did. And so Abraham killed that animal, that lamb, that ram, in the place of his son. Isaac. And so in verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. What does it mean, Jehovah Jireh? Well, it means the Lord will provide. You see, all sinners should be asking that question that Isaac asked Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? And we have the answer here in our text. Behold! Behold the Lamb of God. You are asking, where is the Lamb? Here's the Lamb. The Lamb of God. Because it is God who has provided this Lamb for sinners such as we are. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, Paul says, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. In Genesis 
chapter 22, God spared Abraham's only son, Isaac. God provided a substitute, an animal. God spared Isaac. But when we go to Golgotha, when we go to Calvary, God the Father did not spare His only begotten Son. He killed His own Son. A strong word, but that's what we read in Isaiah 53. God smote His own Son. He did not spare His own Son so that He could spare you and me. Because that's the only way that He could spare sinners such as we are. He had to kill His own Son. He had to sacrifice His own Son in our place. What a provision. What a gracious provision indeed. And here's the beauty of the gospel. The Lamb of God that we read in John 1.29 can be yours, can be mine by faith. By faith. By faith we can say, that Lamb is mine. He is my Lamb. He, he died for my sin. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that Lamb becomes yours, the Lamb of God. Can you say that this evening by God's grace? Can you say that the Lamb of God that we read in John 1.29 is your Lamb, is your substitute so that you will not have to die forever in the lake of fire because you have Jesus who took your place at Calvary. Recently, I was talking to a lady who grew up in a church that is typically hyper-Calvinistic. And one of the elders in that church, by the way, she is now a member of our church in, in Jordan, HRC, in Canada. And, and she, she is struggling with assurance of faith. She is struggling with assurance of salvation. And she said to me, but, but pastor, I remember one of the elders in my former church said to me, be careful that you do not steal Christ. I'm afraid. Am I stealing Christ? Maybe Christ does not belong to me. I'm afraid to, to take Jesus, to take the Lamb of God. Maybe that Lamb is not for me. And I said to her, whoever told you that you can possibly steal Jesus is dead wrong. How can you steal Jesus? How can you steal the Lamb of God when in fact God has graciously provided this Lamb for us sinners? It's a gift. If it is a gift, 
It cannot be stolen. Now, boys and girls, if I offer you a gift, when you receive that gift, you're not stealing it from me because I have offered it to you. In fact, it brings joy to me. It brings delight to me when you receive that gift. And I will dare say this. When I have offered you a gift and you decline it, I would be insulted. I would be terribly insulted. Why did you decline the offer of my gift freely given to you? And the same is true. In John 1.29, the Lamb of God of which we, we read is freely offered to all sinners. To all sinners. Yes, we ask the question, where is the lamb to be slain for my sin? Where is the lamb to, to be killed in my place? We have the answer. Behold the lamb of God. He can be yours by faith. And so the question is, is he yours? Is he your lamb? Is he your substitute? Because if he is not, then you will have to face God's judgment. If you don't have a substitute, then you will have to experience God's wrath. Even his eternal wrath and condemnation and punishment in the lake of fire where worms do not die, where fire cannot be quenched. But you don't have to go there if you receive the Lamb of God by faith. Second characteristic of this Lamb. Yes, this Lamb is a gracious provision from God. Behold the Lamb of God. Second, this Lamb is the only provision from God. The only provision from God. Notice again what, what John the Baptist says. Behold the Lamb of God, not a Lamb. Now, as you know, children, there are two kinds of, of article. We have what we call indefinite article, A. And we have the definite article, the. What's the difference between the two? Well, if John the Baptist says, Behold, a lamb of God, it implies that there are other lambs. But when he says, and this is what he says in our text, Behold, the Lamb of God. What John the Baptist is saying, there is no other Lamb than this. This is the only true Lamb. This is the innocent Lamb slain for our sin. Isaiah 53 verse 7 says, He was oppressed referring to the Messiah, referring to the Lamb of God. He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so He opened not His mouth. This is the Lamb of God 
that, that, that prophet Isaiah talks about in Isaiah 53. All, all the lambs that, that we see in the Old Testament are but symbols of this lamb. All the lambs point to this great lamb of God. Jesus is the sum of all the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. All the, the animals sacrificed for sin could not atone for our sin. But this lamb, oh, this lamb is the only lamb that has power to free and to cleanse us from our sin. As the author of Hebrews says, and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this Lamb, the Lamb of God, can take away the sin of the world. And that will lead me to my third observation here about this Lamb. This Lamb is the only Lamb with power to take away sins. Read again our text. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Now, by the way, in the original, that verb, take away or taketh away, is so rich in meaning. In fact, it is participle. When you say participle, it modifies or describes the Lamb of God. And therefore, it should be translated this way, literally, Behold the Lamb of God, the one taking away the sin of the world. Taking away. It's actually Aaron in the original. Sounds like the name Aaron. Aaron. And that verb has the idea first of lifting or carrying. And so the question is this. How can this lamb take away the sin of the world? Well, in the first place, this lamb takes away the sin of the world by lifting it, by lifting that sin or carrying it away. And so in this sense, in this context, sin is like a burden, too heavy for us to carry. Sin is a weight that, that drags us down. Sin is too heavy for us to carry. I don't care who you are, how strong you are physically and spiritually, you cannot carry sin. Remember in the Pilgrim's Progress, Christian, before he came to the cross of Jesus, he had the load on his back, that weight that burden on his back, that sin. But when he came up to the cross, 
his burden loosed from off his shoulders, and it fell from off his back, and the result was peace and rest. Every sinner is like that. You may not realize it, but you are carrying a burden. You are carrying that weight of sin. Maybe that's one of the reasons why it's hard for you to come to the Lord's table. You really want to come to the Lord's table, but you feel so burdened with your sin, so burdened that you cannot even make one step toward the Lord's table. You feel so, so, so burdened. Well, I have good news for you. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. How? How does this Lamb take away our sin? By lifting that burden. By carrying it away. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 28, Come, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because until the Lord takes that burden away, you will never ever experience rest in your soul. You will never ever experience true peace in your life. You need the Lamb of God for you to experience that peace that passes all understanding. That, that peace with God. Only the Lamb of God can give you that rest. Now, that verb or participle, taking away, that that. that that word aeron in Greek has also the idea of pushing it, pushing it. And so again, what's, uh, what, what's, what's the question is, how can this lamb take away the sin of the world? First, we said, by lifting it. Second, by pushing it. And we have a picture of this in John 11 verse 39. Now remember the story, Lazarus was dead. In fact, he had been dead for four days. He was already in the tomb. It was a cave with a, uh, with, with a stone covering the entrance. Jesus came to that tomb, but there, there was a a, a, a hindrance. There was this big obstacle. There was a stone. What did Jesus say? John 11, verse 39. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Same verb. Take away the stone. Roll it away. Roll it away. Push it. Push it away. Because I want to see Lazarus, my friend. Now, sin is like that stone covering the entrance to God. Unless that stone is removed, there is no way that we come to God. You are standing here and God is standing over there. Between the two of you is this massive, 
huge, big stone of sin. S-I-N. You want to come to God, but you can't because that sin is, is blocking the entrance to God. Who can take away this sin? Well, we have the answer in our text. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. How does He do it? How does Jesus take away that sin? By removing it, by pushing it, by rolling it over so that we can come into the most holy presence of God. Well, maybe you have been wanting to come to the Lord's table. For some reason, you can't. Maybe there's still a big stone between you and the table of the Lord. Who can take away that stone so that you can come to the Lord's table and enjoy the supper that the Lord has prepared for sinners such as we are? Jesus. The Lamb of God. Now, third, that verb, taking away, aaron in Greek, has also the idea of cleansing or erasing. And in this context, sin is like a, a stain that we cannot wash out. Now, boys and girls, imagine I have this white, pure white clothing. And for some reason, it got stained by, let's say, a red ink ball pen. Now, you want to wash it out. What do you need? You need soap, right? Now, there is a sense that your heart right now is stained by sin. There is shame. There is guilt. Whenever we sin, sin produces shame and guilt. And that, that shame, that sin, will, will, will discourage you to, to come to God. Like what Adam and Eve experienced in the Garden of Eden. When they disobeyed the Lord, what did they do? They hid themselves in, in the bushes, among the trees. Why? Because of shame, because of guilt. They were afraid of God. Who can take away our shame? Who can take away our guilt? Maybe this evening you, you feel so dirty because of your sin. To the point that you don't, you don't even want to pray to the Lord. You don't want to, 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 to come to the Lord's table. Lord, I, I can't. I can't commune with you because of, of my sin. <sighs> I have good news for you. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus can take away your guilt, your shame. And by the way, David understood this. And so he prayed in Psalm 51. Remember the context. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. He murdered Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. He transgressed all the Ten Commandments. But listen to David's prayer. 
Have mercy upon me, O God, according to Thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of Thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David knew that God could wash him thoroughly from his iniquity. And God can do the same to you this evening. And that's why John the Beloved says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all, not some, but all iniquities, all unrighteousness. And only the Lamb of God is able to cleanse you from all your sins. And He does it by the power of His blood. As one hymn writer says, What can wash away my sin? Nothing. Absolutely nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You see, sin breaks. Sin breaks. It breaks a relationship, your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, with your children. Whenever there is a sin, there is a separation. That's what sin does. Maybe this evening you feel broken by your own sin and you ask this question, what can make me whole again? Well, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus can restore you. And you know what's amazing is this. Oh, this is the beauty of the gospel. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh Away the sin of the world. Present tense. Now, like what I said earlier, it's, it's really participle. Behold the Lamb of God taking away, taking away. In other words, Jesus is still taking away the sin of the world. It's present tense. And it is active, active participle. Jesus is... Yes, yes, Jesus ascended into heaven. Yes, Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Yes, Jesus is not with us bodily or physically speaking. But even while He is in heaven, He is still, he is still taking away the sin of the world. He is still actively forgiving sinners. He's still waiting for sinners to come to Him. That if you come to Him now, He will not cast you out. That is His promise. He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. The sin, the offense, as if there's, there's only one sin, the sin. Because really, all the breaking of the law is a sin. It's a sin. The falling short of God's glory is sin. And Jesus can forgive our sin. And then John the Beloved adds this, and this is so wonderful. The sin 
of the world. Of the world. What does it mean by that? Well, it's a, it's a technical phrase in the New Testament. Really what John the, the, the Baptist is saying is this. That this lamb is not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. In the Old Testament, the animal sacrifices, the animals sacrificed for sin, they were intended first and foremost for the people of Israel. But now when we come to the New Testament, we have this great Lamb of God, not just for the Jews, not just for the people of Israel, but now for the world, for Dutch people, for, for Mexican people, for Filipino people, for, for Canadian, American, for Chinese, Korean. This Lamb of God is for all sinners, regardless of your nationality and regardless of your status in society. You might be the poorest member of this church. You might be the, 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 the less... Uh, unfortunate when it comes to education. Maybe you feel like, I'm not educated. I'm... But this lamb is for all sinners. Behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Now, let's move to the second point here, the command to behold the Lamb. Because John the Baptist says, behold. In the original, that's imperative. Now, when you say imperative, it's a command. It's not an option. John is not giving us an option whether to behold or not the Lamb of God. No, Every single sinner is commanded to behold the Lamb of God. In other words, if you don't behold the Lamb of God, you are sinning against God. It is a sin not to behold the Lamb of God. It is a form of disobedience to God because it is a command. And yes, we understand the immediate context, the original audience, uh, the, the, uh, the Jews, uh, especially the Pharisees, uh, standing by the uh, Jordan River, behold the Lamb of God, but it extends to us the application. See, gaze upon the Lamb of God. This is Jesus, the Lamb of God. And notice, John does not say, behold me. No, 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 no. Not me as the speaker, but the Lamb of God. And I pray that you do the same this evening. Don't look at me. If you do that, you will be disappointed. Don't look at your pastor, Pastor Elsout. Yes, he is your pastor. But the Bible says, behold the Lamb of God. Not behold your elder or your deacon. No. Children, not, not behold your parents. Not behold your dad or mom. Because if you behold your mom or dad, you will be disappointed. Because they are not perfect. But if you behold Jesus, the Lamb of God, you will never be disappointed. Because you cannot find fault in Him. He is the pure, perfect Lamb of God. 
Notice also, John does not say, Behold the sin of the world. No, 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 no. Behold the Lamb of God. Now, we have the tendency to behold our sin, to focus on our sin, to dwell on our sin. That all that we see is our sin. If we do that, we will be discouraged. Yes, it is good to, to, to behold your sin, to examine yourself, but don't dwell on your guilt or sin. Flee to God's grace. Flee to God's mercy. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Don't look at others. Don't look at the world either. John the the Baptist does, does not say, Behold the world. No. Because if we do, we will be disappointed. We will have all the reasons not to, to, to worship God. And unfortunately, a lot of people, like I remember talking to an atheist. He said to me, well, if God is the God of love, looks what's happening in the world. People are killing each other. War in the Middle East. In Eastern Europe. Where is God? You see, we don't behold the world but the Lamb of God. Not even yourself, by the way. Not behold yourself, but behold the Lamb of God. I I like what uh, Robert Murray McShane once said, for every look at yourself, take ten looks at Christ. Yes, you need to look at yourself, but for every look at yourself, Take 10 looks at Christ. Otherwise, you will be disappointed. Behold the Lamb of God. Now remember in my introduction, I used Peter. Peter was walking on the water. Imagine what a miracle to be able to walk on the lake toward Jesus with his eyes fixed on the Lamb of God. But if you remember the moment he saw the wind, the moment he, he looked away from Jesus and, 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 and focusing now on, on the wind, that's when he began to sink. And that's why I want you to keep beholding the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Now, as I end this message, I would like to give you two examples of uh, people who missed the Lamb of God. First, Pilate. Actually, there are many, of course, in the Bible, but for the sake of time, I will only give you two. Pilate. Remember what he said to the crowd, to the Jews. John 19, verse 5. Behold the man, referring to Jesus. And then he adds in John 19, verse 14, Behold your king. Isn't it fascinating? Pilate said, Behold your king. Not my king. He's not my king. Jesus is not my king. Behold your king. You know what's sad? 
Jesus is right there in front of Pilate. Jesus is standing in front of Pilate. But Pilate has missed Jesus, the Lamb of God. Why? Well, first, because of his pride. And second, because of the fear of the people. Pride? No. He is not my king. Behold, your king, but not my king. I don't want to submit to Jesus. I don't want him to be above me. I want to control my life. I dictate what I want to do. You see, maybe it is your pride that is hindering you from seeing the beauty and glory of Christ. Your unwillingness to submit to the full authority of Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. Or maybe because of your fear, fear of, of men. Maybe you don't want to come to Jesus because you're so afraid what others might think of you. Well, if I come or even coming to the Lord's table, no, I, I, I don't know. I can't come to the Lord's table because what might others think of me? Well, you see, behold the Lamb of God. When you do that, you are going to miss the Lamb of God. And right now, there is a sense that Jesus is standing before you in the gospel. As Jesus is being offered to you in the gospel, He's standing before you. Don't miss Him. Do you see Jesus right now with an eye of faith? Behold the Lamb of God. Another example, the Pharisees in Matthew 12. It was Sabbath day, and the disciples of Jesus were hungry, and so they began to pluck the ears of corn to eat. But we read in verse 2 of Matthew chapter 12, But when the Pharisees saw it, that is to say the plucking of the ears of corn, they said unto Jesus, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. Again, Jesus was, was standing close to, to, to these Pharisees, but the Pharisees missed Jesus. Why? Because of their critical and legalistic spirit. They saw the uh, plucking of the ears of corn, but they did not see Jesus. Isn't it fascinating? That the Pharisees were too consumed with what the disciples did when they plucked the ears of corn. That's all that they saw. They missed Jesus, the Lamb of God. Maybe you are like the Pharisees here. Could it be that one of the reasons why you are not seeing Jesus this evening, you are not beholding His beauty and glory, is because of your critical and legalistic spirit. All that you see is the, 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 the mistake of this church, the shortcoming of this church. The service is too long. The, the, the piano or the organ is too loud or too fast or too, too slow. 
So-and-so is not properly dressed for, for public worship. That's all that you see with your critical and legalistic spirit. And you're, you're so consumed with that one thing, the plucking of the ears of the corn, as it were, that you miss, you miss the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon, known as the uh, Prince of Preachers, told this story. He said, in 1857, a day or two before preaching at the uh, Crystal Palace, I went to decide where the uh, platform should be fixed. And in order to test the acoustic properties of the building, cried in a loud voice, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. In one of the galleries, a workman who knew nothing of what was being done heard the words of John 1 verse 29. And the words of this verse came like a message from heaven to his soul. He was smitten with conviction on account of sin, put down his tools, went home, and there, after a season of spiritual struggle, found peace and life by beholding the Lamb of God. Now here is a wonderful example of the power of the gospel. Spurgeon did not even expound that verse, John 1.29. He simply recited it, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And the Holy Spirit used that for the conversion of that workman who simply heard the recitation of that plain verse, John 1.29. Now, forget about what has been preached to you in the past 30 minutes. You may not like or appreciate how the gospel has been presented to you, you may not like or appreciate how Christ, the Lamb of God, has been proclaimed to you in the past 30 minutes. Set that aside temporarily, what you've heard in the past 30 minutes. But I want you to hear this again. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Did you hear those words? Did you see Christ in those words? Can you say by the grace of God with John, in John 1 verse 14, please read John 1 verse 14. So beautiful. John 1 verse 14, and we will end here, John 1 verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we, what? Beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Can you say that by God's grace? Yes, Pastor. Yes, I have beheld, I have beheld 
Jesus, the Lamb of God, I have beheld Him full of grace, full of truth, full of mercy, and I am so overwhelmed with His goodness in my life. Or maybe still, you have not yet seen Jesus. Maybe your eyes are still blind because of sin. Pray to the Holy Spirit. Open my eyes that I may see. Open my eyes. Illumine me. Spirit divine. And he who has beheld the Lamb of God, his glory and mercy and beauty and truth will be changed. Will be changed. If you really see Jesus, with an eye of faith, you will follow him because that's what the disciples did in John chapter 1, verses 35, 36, and 37. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God, and the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed him. They heard John speak, Behold the Lamb of God. They were converted. As a result, they followed Jesus. They followed the Lamb of God. Do you follow the Lamb of God? Do you follow him to his table? Do you commune with him? Do you obey his words? Because if you say that you behold him and you don't follow him, maybe you don't really know him. Let us pray. Lord, we thank thee so much for thy word. We thank thee for John 1.29. Use that verse, O Lord, for the strengthening of our faith. And if there is someone here who is not yet saved for the conversion of that soul, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.